You're listening to a Rock Candy podcast. Hey guys, my name is Matt Langston. I am a music producer, a mix engineer, and an avid unicorn enthusiast. And I would like to invite you over to my podcast, Eleven D Life. On Eleven D Life, we get to talk to your favorite artists, producers, and creators about what makes them tick. We take deep dives into where they get their juiciest inspirations from and how they keep from being cynical about all of it. We even get to pull back the curtain on my band, Eleven D Seven, and share some fun insider tips and tricks for our fellow. Hello, bandmates and creators out there. So be sure to check out Eleven D Life right here on the Rock Candy Podcast Network and wherever you get your favorite shows. Hey everybody, this is Reese Roper, one of your hosts here at Joe and Reese's Pickle and Boot Shop, a diabolical brainwashing machine. I want to apologize in this, my weekly disclaimer. First of all, for this music, probably the worst I've ever put on the disclaimer. Also, Joe claims it is 2023, August 5th of 2023. Of course, you know it's not. We forget who Will Forte is. I complain about my wife a lot, and I'm pretty sure that's going to show up in divorce court. Joe's fan is going the whole time, and both of our mics have all these static and poppy things going on, which is awful. At one point, I call Squad 5-0 sissies. I'm not really sorry about that. And I don't know. Mostly, this music sucks. I'm sorry. The Pickle and Boot Shop. I hope you hate it. here yeah yeah okay count it off okay three two one i didn't do that very well i was money i was i was right on when you clapped hey let's do it again so visually I'll get you clapping through my speakers okay ready three two one okay that'll work um all right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Pickle and Boot Shop. Joe and Reese is Pickle and Boot Shop, a diabolical brainwashing machine. I have no clue what episode this is, but I know that we're recording it on August 5th, 2023. We have come back from the future to do this. Ladies and gentlemen, for those of you that aren't Patreon uh, subscribers, it's okay, but we just got done... With our Patreon subscribers, we just did a Zoom meeting. 
uh, did two separate Zoom meetings because there were so many people. We had to break it down into two groups. Had a blast doing that. People could ask us whatever they wanted. They could bust our balls. We could bust theirs. Just, a, it just I just had a great time. I had an absolute great time. It was wonderful. I love yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. Getting to know people, putting faces with, uh, with maybe messages that I've received from people or things like that. So... Um, yeah, it was just, I, I just had a blast doing it. So it was, it was cool. Um, you drinking anything right now? I am, uh, I'm switching it up a bit. Okay. This, this cup that Kevin Brennan sent me. Yeah. This is the pickle and boot shop failure puddle. Ooh. What I did is I mixed some Don Q rum, which is a product of Puerto Rico. Yeah. With Canada dry. Oh yeah. So it's app. a totally new thing that you haven't had before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nice. I'm going with a new thing as well. I'm going with a Michelob Ultra. Okay. So, yeah, 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 yeah. That's so crazy. Yeah, it is. Um, so last week we were talking, we were answering questions from viewers. Yeah. We, we didn't get through all of them because in typical pickle and boot shop fashion, we start on a topic and it, you know, it takes us quite a while. Excuse me, I'm hiccuping. To get through that. So I have some more questions okay. from more listeners, fans, friends, all of the above. Joe, this is like ask. the fastest we've ever gotten to on topic. And I, I feel, know. I feel weird about it. I kind of do too. Do we need to talk about stuff like stuff that's happened this week? Like what have we you just done talked on week? a Zoom meeting for like two hours. That's the problem. We're just like, I know. I know. Let's get to the show. Yeah, I know. That's kind of what I'm thinking, too. I See, my problem is I look at the time. Because mm -hmm. here's the thing with me. I am very, very, very cognizant, and um, I really like my sleep. I don't know what the word is for that. Uh, I'm very I, – I put Responsible sleep. Yeah, there you go. Word. Yeah, maybe that's it. I'm very yeah. responsible when it comes to my sleep. And I like to be asleep at a certain time, wake up because I'll always wake up at the same time. So if yeah. I go to bed at nine, I wake up at six in the morning. If I go to bed at midnight, I wake up at six. If I go to bed at two in the morning, I wake up at six. So I always like to get to bed at a good time and stuff like that. So tonight's kind of thrown us from our schedule and uh, we're kind of starting now at, at around nine o'clock on, uh, on a Thursday night. And we usually go about two hours. So I'm thinking, like, I am not going to make it till 11. So that's uh, that's one thing that's going through my mind. So I think that's why I kind of started uh, going fast. You that's know fun. what? Let's do it. You know one thing I do have to tell you? Yeah. I know we like talking comic books. Um, I'm kind of uh, proud of myself this week. I was thinking to myself, what comics have kind of dimmed as far as in the national, you know, spotlight that I can maybe get for a good price. And I got one of my favorite comics um, that, that I've read in the last couple of years is uh, the Umbrella Academy. I don't know if you watch that on Netflix. No. Um, oh, my gosh. Reese, you got to watch it. It's fantastic. It was written cool. by Gerard Way, the lead singer of uh, My Chemical Romance. Yeah. And then from that. Uh, DC Comics gave him his own comic label, and I forget the name of it off the top of my head, 
but he has his own, uh, like he has his own, like, uh, uh, what do they call it? Sub, uh, what do they call it? Like if you have a record label, a subsidiary subsidiary. So, so he has his own subsidiary of DC comics. Yeah. That's, that's about it. That's about it. But uh, I got uh, Umbrella Academy number one from 2007 in a CGC 9.8. Usually runs, if you want to try and buy one, it usually runs for about 200 to 220. Uh-huh. I got it for 130. So nice. I was stoked about that. So I got that this yeah. week. Kind of proud of that. It's very wonderful. And also you, uh. you made a killing selling off uh, Spider-Man, didn't you? Was that this week? Yes, a Spider-Man, an, uh, an amazing Spider-Man 252. Look that one up. It's an mm-hmm. iconic cover. You have one. Uh, you have a reader copy that's been beat, beat. you said, to, to all get out. Yeah. But that, that ASM, amazing Spider-Man, ASM 252, um, it's the first appearance of Spider-Man in his black costume, which later is revealed to be Venom and to yeah. be the symbiote. But that's the first time that it's seen, and uh, I bought it. I bought the comic for about four hundred dollars. Sold it for twenty two hundred dollars. Jeez, oh Pete! In one year, so one year ago, I bought it for, you know, four hundred. And one year, yeah, kind of, kind of, yeah, straight up, dude. Not too shabby. So that's that. Anything else happened in your life this week? Um, I. I've, I've fixed the door. <laughs> I fix the door at my house. That works. That works. I, I go in the basement and I make boxes out of wood for yes. the microphone company. Okay, not coffins. You're not talking coffins. No, but you know what? I'm thinking about it. When I do it, I'm like, you know what would be really lucrative is coffins. If people wanted just like a straight craftsman style coffin. Reese, think about it. Yeah. Think about it. If you started doing coffins, mm-hmm. I would, I would, uh, I would be laid to rest in one of your coffins. It doesn't need to be. That's the problem. It doesn't need to be all fandangled. I just want an old wooden coffin like you see in Young yeah. Guns. Like it doesn't in, need to be padded even because guess what? You're dead. You're dead. <laughs> Let's not beat around the bush. You're However. dead. I think if I really I know you don't. I know you don't. A good idea would be to make like a secret compartment for a sandwich or something like that, just so people would like you know if he or a cell phone sandwich cell phone. Have the entire bottom lined with batteries just in case. Have your phone plugged into a charger just in case something were to happen. You got a you got a cell phone. Yeah. That, I mean, other than that, let's be let's be realistic, people. You don't need anything else. You don't. You don't. Not even pants. Like save money. Yeah. Why do they put people? Deceased. Why? Why do dead? Why are dead people in suits? I don't want to be in a know. suit. I want to be in a true classic fit <laughs> T-shirt, preferably a polo because those are uh, amazing. Yeah. I want to. I want to be in my dicky shorts. I want to be in a pair of Adidas with no-show socks, and I want to have my Whalers hat on. Hmm. That's what I want to be buried in, man. In, yeah. in a in a old school pine box. 
Like not um, some fancy coffin. Well, you know, I can make that happen for you, Joe. I'm, I'm learning how to do this with. I know you joints. can. That's why I'm talking about it. Yeah. I'm yeah. six foot five. So mm-hmm. make it at least six foot seven. Give me at five least an 17. inch. Yeah, at least an inch, you know, either way. Uh, uh, width, I don't know, maybe three feet wide, maybe? Two and yeah. a half feet wide? I, don't, I mean, I don't know. I got w- probably, what, a 54-inch chest maybe? Yeah. So, so yeah, make it happen. Let's do it. And I'll be, I'll be just buried in a pine box. Great idea. I, I think it's a market that hasn't been tapped into. Just generic pine box. Yeah, but it, but Reese, this is this is where you're missing the mark. This is um, where you're not, this is where you're not seeing the big picture. It might be the Don Q, but you're not seeing the big picture here, buddy. It's not a generic pine box. It's a handcrafted, handcrafted. Reese Roper pine box. Uh-huh. That's what people do nowadays. People take stuff that's normal, a T-shirt. They make it comfortable. They put some sort of something into it, and then they say true classic tees, and they charge four times the amount. But guess yeah. what? I'm willing to pay it because it's a phenomenal shirt. They, what they put into it is Filipino tears. Exactly. Like, hey, <laughs> yes. Thank you for making my shirt. Yeah, yeah. Yes. I like to think that I'm supporting the children of Vietnam uh-huh. when I buy these shirts. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, thank hey, you. You know what though? I like I I do want to rail against uh, using child labor and also uh, slavery and low wages for manufacturing. But Vietnam is communist. Those guys have free health care. And I wouldn't mind. <laughs> like, how much do you make an hour? Thirteen cents, but you don't have to pay medical bills. I'm in. I need a. And you don't have income tax. Yeah, <laughs> let's do it up. Let's do it up. Cause I'm sick mm-hmm. of bagging it. <laughs> yeah. Um. All right. So we've caught up, right? Yes. So let's get started on these questions. Okay, Joe. I'm ready. And the first one, the first one, let me see. The first couple are for both of us. Um, Brandon Jones asks, well, I guess this first one is kind of just for me, but we'll talk to you. And if you have any thoughts on this as well, go ahead and Um. kick in. But uh, Brandon Jones says, Joe, labels absorbed by others and will the floodgate album be released so brandon labels absorbed by others i think you're talking about or you're asking about like the labels that we had been on say like gumshoe that was then absorbed by uh killian music group uh kmg those types of things uh yes i think we've talked about it a lot on this show where any label that we were a part of uh, dissolved and went bankrupt. And then as far as uh, will the Floodgate album be released, I don't know which album you're talking about. We had one album, Soundtrack to a Revolution, was released on Floodgate Records. Um, I don't know if the one that you're mentioning is the Insiders Fight Cancer, and that was the 
uh, album that I talked about, I think, on this show where we where it was uh, discussed about doing college fight songs and what we would call skying them up. Um, there are no plans to do that. Tim Tabor said he would release that on Floodgate, and we have never gotten together to do it. Um, it was 10 years ago that we talked about it, 12 years ago that we talked about it, and we haven't done it. So I would love to see, if not us, I would love to see some sort of band do that. I think that is an untapped resource. Um, the Dropkick Murphys did. The reason I got the idea was the Dropkick Murphys on one of their albums did Boston College's fight song. For Boston, for Boston, we sing it loud and proud, whatever. And so they did that, and that's what got me thinking that if we did, um, you know, I mean, think about it. It, it, You know, if you did, like, all the Big Ten or the SEC, like the major colleges and, like, the SEC. Bowling Green State University. Bowling Green. You did some. Isaac Zumba, 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 (laughs) Isaac Zumba, Zumba. Hey, roll along, you PG fuckers. Is that? A possibility, Joe? <laughs> I think so. I, I mean, think I so. Think Zumba. Yeah, I think so. So you do that. I think it would make. Uh, I, I think it would make some money, and I think people would be uh, would enjoy the fact that they're uh, they bought that album. So with that, no, there's no plans to release that. I think that's a dead, a moot issue as far as the insider go because the insiders kind of are no more. Um, but maybe it's something the Five Iron could do. If Five Iron does it, I ask that you at least do Notre Dame's fight song. Because uh, absolutely, there's no possibility. You can't even be like, hey, Five Iron, I will give you $10 million to do these cover songs. (laughs) They will not do it. All right. They'll just be like every every 15 years, somebody in the band, Scott or Dennis, will be like, hey, I, I... feel like we should cover this Huey Lewis song. And then oh, they try yeah. and do it exactly like it, it was on the album, and you're just like... No, it doesn't work. Boring. Yeah. They don't no. sky it up. They don't do it. It's funny, that, it up. it's funny that you asked that because another question from David Robledo, David Robledo or Robledo, says um, covers we wish we did. So are there songs that you wish... Five Iron would have covered or songs that you would have thought would have been fun to cover. Yeah. So many. I, I, I think doing covers is fun, but here's my theory is when you do a cover, either it has to be better than the original, like six pence does. There she goes. It has to be better or it has to be different enough that people are like, yeah, this is fine. Like, uh, you know, like um, who who say Ferris did "Come on Eileen." It's it's amazing, different. It's it's and tell different. me, Monique isn't an absolute just smoke show. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, she's okay. a smoke show! Holy cow! But Fiverr never grasps this. They're just like, let's try and do this ELO song exactly like ELO, and you can't. Like, you absolutely cannot. We did, the only thing we ever did that was close to to as good as the original is the It's Not Unusual, the Tom Jones one. Still not. It's just funny. Yeah. Um, 
But had we changed it up, it would have been much better. So, um, I don't know. I would love to do Total Eclipse of the Heart. I would love to do Man in Motion, John Parr from St. Elmo's Fire. I think that would be so epic. Um, Those are a few that just came off the top of my head. I don't know what else, but I know that my band sucks. (laughs) The Insiders, here's a problem with covers. And for those of you that don't know this, what happens when, when an artist covers a song? You have to pay royalties. You have to pay royalties on that song. So what happens is when you put an album out and you record a song, and let's say you put that album on iTunes, you have to tell the company, the, the um, publishing company, that you plan to cover the song that you plan to cover, whatever publishing company owns those rights, you have to assume or guess how many, how many albums you're going to sell, how many of that song that you're going to sell. So the insiders on our last album, the Sinner's songbook, we did two covers. We did the angel of death, which was the last song that Hank Williams ever wrote. And we did Jesus is a friend of mine by the band Sunseed. Yeah. You know, know Angel of Death of Death was a cover. Yeah, it was a cover. That's cool. Yep. Hank Williams Sr. And uh, and so what you do is so then that's on our album. So if we put that album on iTunes, what we have to do is we have to tell the publishing companies, hey, we sell about say 50,000 copies. So we have to pay 10 cents or 30 cents, however much that the publishing company is charging. You have to pay that up front on 50,000 albums. So if they say 10 cents an album and you sell 50,000 albums, well, then you have to pay $5,000 or whatever it is, $500. I don't know the math on it. So you have to pay that money up front to the publishing company. So that makes it tough. So when you go to iTunes to buy the Insider's album, if you go right now to buy the Sinner's Songbook, I don't think uh, Jesus is a friend of mine or the Angel of Death is on that. That's why, yeah, I think that's why you see artists that do like the extended. So like they'll say, hey, you can buy the album for... You know, the, you can buy, if it's a 12-song album and two of them are covers, they'll say, like, you can buy the 10-song album for $8. And then if you want the 12 songs, they set, it's called, like, the extended cut or whatever like that. And then it's you're charged almost double. So, you guys, just a little peek behind the curtain. That's what happens when you cover an album or you cover a song is you end up paying through the nose to actually cover that. So, lots of people cover stuff live because you don't have to pay for that. But if you put it on an album, you have to pay for it. So, the Insiders, we've covered multiple, multiple, multiple praise and worship songs. Other than praise and worship songs, we did Walking on Sunshine, we did the uh, the cars. Um, I don't mind you coming here and wasting all my time. Um, whatever song that's called, we did that. Just what I needed. Um, two songs that I wish we would have covered that we practiced 
that we played live. No, one of them we played live was Andrew WK Party Hard. Oh, when, man. Yeah. So uh, I when, never heard that. That yeah. sounds awesome. Yeah. When we were touring on Soundtrack to a Revolution, when we were doing dates and festivals for that, uh-huh. we would start the show with, you know, we would come out on stage and I would just scream, when it's time to party, we will party hard. Bah, bah. And then the horns would come in and they would do like the horn line that's at the beginning of, of that, that song, like the guitar riff. Yeah. That was a lot of fun. So we would do party hard, but we never recorded it. And then we practiced Kelly Clarkston. Um, uh, uh, my life would suck without you. Ah, oh, dude. So we practiced that. We never got it to where we really enjoyed it. And so yeah. therefore we never played it live, but that's a song that I actually really, really like. And if we would have been able to cover that, that would have been great. I think my all-time favorite, if we could cover a song, um, I'm a huge Boston's fan. I love Slapstick. There's there's tons of ska bands that I like. But in all the songs I've ever heard in my life, this might be weird to you guys, but I think the most perfect song ever written is The Black Parade by My Chemical Romance. Hmm. I I think from beginning to end, the way that song is written the way it changes, the different styles that are within it, the lyrics. I think from beginning to end, that song paints the most perfect picture. And in one song, it's like a musical. You're taken from the the beginning of a musical to the end of a musical. It tells a story through that song. And I just think that that song is so brilliantly written and done. I would have loved to have done that song, but we didn't. There's still time, Joe. There is still you're, time. You're a young man. But now that I've rattled through and rambled through all of that, did anything pop in your head? Anything that you would have ever have loved to have covered? Just those two. Like, I, I was thinking about more, but I'm like, especially Man in Motion. Such a cool song. And Man then, uh, in Motion. I don't know the words. The bridge on it, it's like, boom. Da, 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 da. It's oh man, it would be so cool. Was that? Yeah, and then Total Eclipse of the Heart, I think would be awesome too. Total Eclipse of the Heart. Mm-hmm. I don't know about that. You might have to sell me on that. You might Turn have to. Around, every now and then I get a little bit. Yeah, it'd be good. Oh, uh, did you ever? See. Did you ever watch um, Last Man on Earth? I watched. Yeah. This is part of why I'm getting divorced. My wife didn't like that show. Oh, my I gosh. Think. No, I'm just kidding. I have no nothing to do with my divorce. It's all her. <laughs> <laughs> I tried. She did not. Oh. oh. <laughs> That's all right. No. This is therapy. No, I think so people have realized therapy. that. Everything's fine. I think people have realized by now, like, the pickle and boot shop, I don't think people tune in to, like, Judging from the pages and the diabolical discussion page and all that stuff, I honestly don't think people are tuning into this show anymore to hear Insiders on 500. I think they're listening as like a voyeur, if I'm saying that right, to listen to the therapy that basically me and you talk about. Like you're my therapist. I'm your therapist. And people are just eavesdropping. 
We are the shittiest therapists. <laughs> we are. Uh, we are. Good being your You're friend. like, I want to save my marriage. I'm like, nah, just just ditch it. Don't just <laughs> move ditch on. It. Move on. There's other boobies out there. Oh my gosh. So the the lady in it that's the lady that's not uh what's his face? Not it's not Will Hader. Who's the guy in it from Saturday Night Live? He's McGruber. Bill Hader. Right? Yeah. Is it Bill Hader? Bill. No. I think it's Bill. Bill Hader. He's not the guy. Is he? No, Bill Hader's the guy that does BB eight voices. Yeah, no, it's um oh come on now. I'm a little foggy here. Oh, you um, froze, Joe. Let's Hang see. On. Last man on earth is, let's see, cast is uh, Will, Forte. Will Forte. Will Forte. Yeah. So the lady my wife hates. Like oh. she. Oh, yeah. The Kristen Shaw. Who's, I think she's hilarious. She just plays I think she one, is too. one type of character that is just deadpan, super annoying. And she does that all the time. And I don't think my wife can separate fiction from reality. From reality. And so she sees this lady playing things. She's like, that lady annoys me. Well, obviously, she's making millions doing that, honey. That's her job. <laughs> yeah. That's part of the funniness. Yeah. That know. that is the job of an actor. That is what they do. <laughs> also, she hates Owen Wilson. I'm just like, because of his nose. Because of his nose. Maybe, or maybe the characters that he usually plays, which are kind of they're like all the same, ir- irresponsible, annoying dudes. Yeah, all the same. They're with all that, irresponsible, just like with well. that crazy nose that looks like it's been broke six hundred times. Mm-hmm. The bridge of his nose. Is the craziest thing you've ever seen in your life. Yeah. All right. Yeah. There you go. So, so the questions. That was, so yeah. So that oh my gosh, I just hooked I just hooked my headphone on my microphone. That was weird. Um That's what editing is for, Joe. Jacob McCormick. Jacob McCormick asks, what are the scariest moments that we have had in our band life. Hmm. What was a, what are some scary moments? I have one that I can say as you maybe need to think of something. And then as yeah, you do it. tell yours, maybe I can think of more. So we had a tour truck. Um, so we had a tour truck that was like a straight back semi that was all customized in the back. And a really scary moment. It's not a funny moment. It was a very, very, very scary moment. Is one night we blew a tire and uh-huh. we blew a tire in the back. And when the tire blew, it blew with such force, it shot a piece of metal up through the floor of the 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 back of the truck. Yeah. That that was about a foot or less away from Nate's head. Oh my gosh. So Nate was sleeping. The tire blew. We hear boom. And obviously like on a big, a big truck like that, when you have a tire blow, that's on like a, you know, a dual tire axle, 
It doesn't do like a whole lot as far as control of the vehicle, but this tire blew and sent probably an eight inch long by two inch wide piece of metal. What was the metal from? Like from the rim or like from the retread? It, it, no, the metal was from like a leaf spring. Mm. It was like, or like a support from the bottom of the, you know, like, and so Nate was like, he looked like he saw a ghost. And so he's like, guys, the tire blew and he was the bottom bunk. So the tire blew underneath him and sent this shrapnel, this shard of, of metal, uh, up through the up through the floor and so it went right by his head and he was like holding this piece of metal then he was like guys this just it went all the way through it wasn't it went, just like sticking out near his face it went all the way through like blew it through like a shotgun blast jeez oh and he was like guys like this so that that was a pretty scary moment um with yeah. that that ripping up there and and almost uh you know taking out Nate do you, yeah. have that, do you have any that you can think of, scary moments? Yeah, as you were talking, you know, so um, anybody that's had to pack a trailer, especially bands, you know, like you, you start out with a van and you have a trailer and you pack it. So, like, our first our first trailer was a horse trailer that we uh, we had our friend, our friend Airplane Man welded all the parts shut and so it was watertight but it weighed about a million pounds it's literally weighed a half ton i think and so it didn't matter how you pack that thing it wouldn't move around on you but we learned pretty quick like you have to pack most of your weight in front of the axles like towards the the hitch or it will fishtail and so you know we had a couple points where you're driving and you're just like it will pull the back of your van like in and out of the lane. It's terrifying. So you figure it out. But I remember going out with, it was like one of the early five-minute walk tours. I think it was us and Dime Store and, and Black Eyed Siva. And one one of those bands packed their, their van or their, their uh, trailer wrong. And they were right in front of us and, I, I'm not lying to you, man. This thing was pulling, pulling the the van like sideways, and then the other way sideways. It was just like sideways, sideways, sideways. Oh. And we're we're all going like 80 miles an hour, so we're behind them, just locking up our brakes, like don't hit these dudes. But they're pulling across three lanes of traffic, just sideways, van sideways, sideways, sideways. <laughs> And uh, that was pretty terrifying. Um, we saw the same thing. We had to. We were on tour with for a Rebel Alliance tour mm-hmm. with POD, and mm-hmm. we had to drive from Oklahoma City to Seattle, and it was like we had twenty four hours to do it. So it was you just you just drove straight and you just drove as fast as you could and you just went. Yeah. And so we were behind them and they were the same way. So we were, we we're in our van with a trailer and we're mm-hmm. watching POD and their van and their trailer and their trailer was all over the road. 
And so as we're behind, it was just, I mean, from one stop to the next, I don't know. I don't know why it didn't do it the whole time. I don't know if they re reposition stuff like you were talking about in their trailer, but for a good four or five hours, we were just watching their trailer just swing. Well, like they a, didn't. They didn't. They weren't just like it's the trailer packed bad. They just kept going and we're just. They like, just kept wow, this, going. This wind is bad. <laughs> yeah, they just kept going. So their trailer was like a pendulum behind them. Dude. It was crazy. Yeah. And so we thought we were gonna. We thought the POD van was gonna like like roll like jackknife and roll. Mm-hmm. And so then finally, when it was like time to like stop and get gas, we like told them, we're like, guys, like your, you know, your trailers everywhere. So then I think at that point, maybe they repacked it or did what they needed to do, but it was nuts for, for, yeah, like a good, like four to six hours, a tank of gas, Jeez, oh, their, Pete. their trailer was all over the place. Yeah. You usually packed all your merch like first, because you had to get into it, and then amps, and and the like glass was like drums, and then sleeping bags and stuff. Yeah, because you'd you'd be hosed. Oh, it was yeah. awful. We I, uh, go on. One, one time we this reminds me of we flew on this there used to be this old airline Reno Air, and I don't remember where we flew into somewhere in Nevada, and this it was turbulent. You know, like, and it was one of these little twin props. Okay. The guy, the, you know, the pilot, if they're good, they always get on and they're just like, all right, it's going to be a little, little bumpy. Put on your seatbelt. And then sometimes it's a lot bumpy. We landed sideways. Oh, that's the worst. The plane was skidding sideways. I was looking out my window down the runway as we were moving sideways. (laughs) It's still, it didn't tip over. I can't believe it, but it was just like, and it's just like everything squealing. And then all of a sudden he jerked it around. So it was going straight and everybody was just like, (gasps) (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Jacob, Jacob, if you want to know about scary moments, what Reese just brought up, I can tell you every flight I've ever been on has been a scary moment. I hate flying. It is awful. I think I've already said on this this podcast that I had like a almost crash coming back from uh, Chicago. It was absolutely terrifying. That was a scary moment. Um, another time we were on tour with Squad Five O. While we were sound checking, Squad Five O decided to go to a park and skateboard. So this isn't my scary moment, but I know it was scary for them. And so they come back and they're dripping with sweat. And and again, they were scared. We're like, dude, what's going on? So here's Squad 5-0, these tatted up, skinny skateboarders. They they, seem tough in parents only. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. To parents only. Correct. They're like super just laid back sissy dudes. Yeah, yeah. I don't know about sissy, but they're definitely laid back. Yeah, they're sissies. Like <laughs> remember that whole glam phase they went through? Yes. I did not yeah. want to bring that up. I did not want to bring it up. Whenever I think Squad 50, I only think of their op ivy phase. 
Okay. I don't I don't think of the glam rock. I don't um, think they'd care if we called them sissies though. No, they probably don't. Um so they went and they skated at like this park on this like um tennis court. Well, these hillbillies like saw them and they were like, Who are these boys here all tattooed up? And like uh Ain't nobody coming into our neighborhood looking like that. And so these hillbillies go over and start yelling at them and trying to throw stuff at them. Well, they're in a tennis court with its giant fence. So, like, the guys from Squad are like, what are these guys talking about? So the guys came to, like, beat them up. And so Squad's on the inside. So the guys come and they start running and to get in, you know how tennis courts are. There's like a door in the Uh fence. So the guys come to run in the door. So squad five climbs the fence to get on the others, like to go over the fence. Well, the fence is like 20 feet high. So they start climbing it. And then the guys run out and run around to get them. So they climb back over. (laughs) now they're back on the inside so the guy yeah so the guys go back in so squad climbs back over they're just going back and forth over this (laughs) fence but they're never to the point where their feet are on the ground they're on the fence the whole time so finally yeah so finally these hillbillies like one set of hillbillies like goes on the outside one stays on the inside so the guys from squad from what i remember they're just sitting on top of the fence. They're just 20 feet up in the air. And these guys are trying to throw stuff at them. They're yelling stuff oh at gosh. them. And the guys from Squad are like, what is going on? So eventually they just stay up there. And these guys get, you know, whatever, sick of it. They don't, they, they've run out of stuff to throw. So they leave. And the guys from Squad scramble down the fence and they skate back to the venue. And that's when they come in and we're like, man, where have you guys been? And they're like, dude, we were stuck on top of this fence. And they were like, these guys were going to murder us just because, like, we didn't look like we were from around here, you know? So I remember that was, like, a funny, like, a funny, scary story for for Squad, you know, for us being out there. Um, I got one story that I thought of. It's not so scary for us. It was scary to watch. This is the worst day of my life in Fiverr. And so we were, I remember this, like, it was April 1999. We were on tour with Switchfoot and the Smiley Kids. We were driving from Lancaster, Pennsylvania to Harrisonburg, Virginia, which is half an hour from where I live now. Oh. Um, we were going to play at Eastern Mennonite University. Oh, beaut- beautiful this time of year. Yeah. So it was, it, was, it was pretty. We're driving around Appalachia, all these beautiful wildflowers. I'm driving. So what had happened was our bus, something, something was wrong with our school bus. So we left it in New Jersey to get repaired, and we rented two minivans. So we're driving two minivans around. I'm driving one of them, and I just hear Dennis go, oh, my God. Oh, my God. That guy is dead. And I look in the rearview mirror, and I just see this minivan flipping over, just rolling 
several times. Like, and it's it's jacked. Like, it's it's up in the air, ten feet, just flipping over, and a dude hanging out of it halfway. Oh, and it's going down, rolling, rolling, and so I'm just like, I slam on the brakes, pull over, and I'm I, you know, and it's 1999, so maybe two of us had cell phones, but I was like call the police and i just ran back thinking like i'm gonna get there and and i'll help this guy yeah so i we were we were a good quarter mile ahead of these dudes by the time i got there there were several cars that had stopped to help and when i get there thinking i'm gonna help this guy like i knew cpr i'd i'd done like um i i'd done like life seat i i was like a trained to be a lifeguard when I was yeah. in college and I, and I was like a coach of a swim team. So I was like, I know how to do this. So I get back. There's about four people rolling this van off of the guy. And he like, it just rolls off his body and you just see him just go like, and all like the last breath just goes out of him. And he's oh, like turning yeah. that this gray color. Yep. And so the spark, the spark goes out of him. Well gone. And like, I just was like, oh my god, I have no idea what to do. Like he was so mangled. There was no doing CPR on this dude. Yeah. Like all, all I felt at that moment was regret. Like I should have just kept driving. But in my head, I'm thinking, like, we got to help this dude. He was so, he, like, he was dead, dead. Like, there was no saving that dude. I can yeah. tell you, like, as a former ICU nurse, there was no bringing him back. He was gone. Just bones and, were just powder. But the, also, like, all the family that was with him who was wearing their seatbelts, they were just sitting there bawling. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It was also just like, uh, there was like 20 people there. The police were coming, so I just kind of walked back. And that same day, my fiance broke up with me. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) Wonderful. Like, she had broken up with me in Kansas, told me she didn't want to marry me. But I kept, kept calling her and was just like, can we clarify this? And that was the day where she just like, fuck off for real. Yeah, she's like, how's this for clarity? Yep. (laughs) Oh, that's no good. The good parts of that day were, so I was just completely, like, at my rock bottom, and we're backstage in this venue. It was, like, their theater for this Eastern Mennonite University. And all of a sudden, Andy comes around. He's wearing, like, a beaver costume, like a full... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> with like a whole whole giant head and a like beaver like it was like a like what you would see at a, an amusement park like an off-brand amusement park <laughs> and he's like guys there's like 20 of these things you just hang up from getting broken up with and seeing a dead body and he comes yeah. around that's like that's like a a movie and he comes around yeah. the corner dressed as a beaver Oh, and we played the show. Somebody was a frog. Somebody was a beaver. There was like a bison. <laughs> it was wonderful. <laughs> that's, that's hysterical. 
Um, Horrible for you, but hysterical. Yes. I remember we we were on a, a drive from Detroit to Indianapolis, and we got stuck in a traffic jam. And we were in this traffic jam for hour, hour and a half. And finally, when we get up, when we get up to the point where we see what had happened, a truck that had been carrying cattle had jackknifed and flipped. And there was like cows ripped apart all over the highway. Oh, like my dead, Lord. dead cows. They were ripped apart. They were in pieces. The cows that survived were like standing on the side of the road, like just eating grass on the side of the road. <laughs> like they just, they just walked to the side, like over their buddies and were just eating grass. And then there was just beef and blood and meat just strewn about the highway. Holy cow. And then like, we just like drove through it. Our, our like, bus driver i think maybe it was jaybird at the time whoever it was was like uh like radios back to us because we had a walkie-talkie between the the cab and the back and he's like uh you guys gotta see this so we're all looking out the window as we're like driving through this just like it just looked like a mass murder you know crime scene that was that was kind of weird that would that was a weird part of tour that's more than weird. That's like Silence of the Lambs. Yeah. Yeah. No, that it, it was crazy. All right. We're moving on. Moving on. The next one is kind of in the same vein. Um, you don't, maybe you don't have to use names unless you want to, but what is the worst show that you've ever played? Now, that could be worst show as. Venue, worst show is you guys just didn't play well. What is the worst worst show that you've ever been a part of? Um, the first one that comes to mind was we were on tour with Real Big Fish. And um, Real Big Fish, being called um, Babs and Her Moneymakers and another uh, like a band, a punk band off Epitaph called Beautiful Bodies. And there were times in this in this tour where Real Big Fish got to play like another show, like a bigger show. Okay. And so they'd just be like a day off. So we had a day off, call our good friend Tim Eddings, play in Akron, you know. And so <clears throat> Couple th- a couple problems happened. Like, w- so now in this incarnation of Five Iron, we play to a click track. So we all have in-ears. It's what it makes us able to do this because we can, because I, I have no rhythm. So it's great for me. It's, <laughs> we're all locked into it. We're tight. You know, like we can write things into the set list where we're just like count five, start the song. So like we're all on. Okay. So Andy, on, on this tour, there may have been a, a little bit of drinking. Maybe. And my, my good friend Andy has he's got he's got some anxiety issues. Okay. And so he's he's got prescriptions for Xanax, like for anti for benzodiazepines, anti so they're called anxiolytics. Um, 
He'll take things like if he's having a panic attack and stuff. So the click track was acting up. We had like just like this programmable metronome so you could put in like this is the this is what the the set is like or you push this for this song. Okay. And it was acting up. And he he was having a like a really bad day and I think having an anxiety attack and so he just he just busted it. Like he just took it and just smashed the shit out of it. Out of the click track? Like, yeah. And it was w- like in, in sound check. So he just beat the shit out of this thing. You know, like circuit boards, everything just flying everywhere. And it was it was it sucked because there was too many people in there for sound check. Like it wasn't just us and the sound guy. It was like us and 15 people that were like maybe from the next venue over or from the bar outside or homeless people, like way too many people, way too many people that are just like, Hey, I love your band so much. <laughs> and then here's Andy, like having the shittiest day beating the hell out of this thing. Well then drinking, cause he's like trying to medicate himself and taking a, uh, anxiolytic. And so when we got to the show, I mean, we made it through the show, but it was it was rough because we're all sissies now. We're all used to this sound, to this click track, and poor Andy, man, he he was having such a shitty day, and uh, we made it through. I we're we're at this point now where we're just like we're okay with <clears throat> with each other. Like we know what is gonna what is going to trigger each other, but we're also still kind of like siblings. So we poke at it a little bit. Okay. (laughs) So we'll mess with each other. And then you get to a point where you're just like, Oh, we got to help out this person. And sometimes (laughs) that comes too late. And I feel like on that show, it was like, we were just like, ha, Andy, what's up with the click track? And then beats the shit out of it and then drinks too much. And then he, you know, like it was, it was a bad show. So in recent memory, that's the that's the one that came to my mind. See, we never had like um like I can't remember like off the top of my head like a bad bad show. Mhm. I know we did. I mean, we had shows that we played the um Heart and Soul Cafe in Chicago where we blew the sound system. But then it yeah. en- but then it ended up working well because then we just played this acoustic set and it was like mm-hmm. a very memorable thing and and like we had like a great time doing it. And then we also but the the thing that always stands out in my mind is the worst shows we ever played were for our home crowd. Seems to be that way. And like whenever we played Detroit, we were so concerned about who was there, who was on the guest list, our friends, trying to impress our friends, our family, trying to make it so that if they came to the show that we were just like top notch and we would just end up sucking. Like somehow it was like we were... It, it, I take it back. I go back. I'll take this to my grave. Not that it's a big deal, but um, 
the type of thing that the insiders were together to be a ministry and we were to take the light into the dark places. But then when we played Detroit, it's like the focus went from this is our ministry to, hey, look at us, you know, all our friends, all our family, all these people that, you know, we have 80 people on the guest list. It went from like ministry to like, hey, you know, everyone came to see us. We're here. Like the focal point is us. And yeah. and then we would just crap the bed. I mean, honestly, I don't think we ever played a good show in Detroit. I don't think we ever played. Never. I don't think we ever. I mean, maybe when we were younger and we were like the upstarts and we were the underdogs, maybe. But I honestly don't think we ever played a good show in Detroit. Um, let's see. I think I have worst show ever. Worst, yeah, we're on worst show ever. Any other um, stories? And there's some bad stories. Mostly, so like in Five Iron, you got to know that like everybody, there's a lot of there's a lot of headbutting and egos. We are like siblings. There's too many of us that were like the oldest child, like Dennis and and Scott and I. So we're bossy. Okay. Um. But like. The physically violent type people are me and Andy. Okay. And we're the only people in the band that have been in a fist fight with each other. Okay. We'll save that for another episode. All right. <laughs> um, it's, it's mellowed out. There's been a couple times. There's one time when we did actually punch each other. All right. And then other times when we just threatened it. Okay. Like on an, There's on nothing an wrong with that, though. There's nothing wrong with that, though. <laughs> Nothing wrong with it. We played a show pretty recently. It was in Philadelphia. We played at this Unitarian church downtown. And it, it this place is like legendary punk rock, like dead milkman type place. Okay. So we're playing and they oversold it. There was, you know, like it was probably like a 250 cap and there was like 400 people in there. Sweaty. Terrible, like not enough oxygen. Just like uh, we're playing, and I'm I'm looking out at people, and I couldn't tell if people had had too much to drink or they were fainting. <laughs> like I saw a couple people just eyes rolling back in their head and like bobbing their heads, like they're about to pass out. <laughs> so we we finished a, a we finished a song, and I'm, hey, oh by the way. This is another click track story because <laughs> we had <clears throat> we have switched to using a laptop to run the kick the click track and it also runs like this is this is a bad secret but we're also running tracks like not playing all of our stuff but like we have some songs that have keyboard on them now and we're not gonna you know like n they're not gonna let me play keyboard thank God <laughs> and like you know, it's it's not gonna we're we're not gonna fly out with a ninth member to play keyboard. So sometimes these tracks come on, or there's like a song with like robot voice. So robot voice will come on through the click, you know, through this. So the the laptop won't power up because it's so humid in there, and there's not <laughs> enough. It's so awful. So everything's <laughs> shut down. So we're like no click, 
And we go with no click. Um, like the, it's just all over the place. Tempo is just everywhere. And I have a bad sense of rhythm. Plus, when you're in the middle of the really? stage. Really? Yeah, you guys got to know this. When you're, so when you're in a band and you're playing an <laughs> instrument, you can go to the side or you can go to the speaker and be like, oh, there's where the bass is. Or I can turn around and look at Scott's fingers or I can look at Andy. I can see the click, kick drum going and I, I can go off that. But if you're the singer, you're looking straight out at the crowd and you're in this kind of dead zone of sound where like everything is just pointed kind of out past you. So it's just like all this noise at once. And usually what cuts through that is the snare, which is the thing you don't want to use for your rhythm because it's on the upbeat. So you're just like, you know, like if, if you were a better musician than I am, you'd be like, okay, I'm going to go off this. Like the opposite. I know what song we're on because I know what song, where the snare hits. Right. But for me, I'm just like, all I hear is... So you're just like, how am I supposed to sing? I can't hear a thing except that dang snare. So it gets rough. We were having one of these rough shows, and I look out, and I thought people were passing out. I'm pretty sure. I'm a medical professional. I was like, these guys are passing out. Like, it's heat stroke or there's not enough air in here. So I say, hey, there's no reason why we can't all just go outside for 10 minutes, get some fresh air, come on back. We'll, we'll, we'll start up. It'll yeah, yeah. Like, we're the headliners. There's nobody going on after us. And who cares about wasting 10 minutes to go outside and, you know, like, get some air? Yeah. So nobody in the band hears me say this. And they just started playing the next song. The whole crowd did. Like, half of them started going outside. Band is just like, whatever. Start playing the next song. And I turn around, like, what the fuck? Like, dude, this... That's I just amazing. saw a guy almost pass out. Like, people are going to die. Stop. But they just kept going, and they were, like, mad at me. So, that... We, you know, like we usually run like two or three songs together. So three songs later, I'm <laughs> yelling at them like, hey, I told those guys they need to go out. Stop playing. <laughs> we need to get people out of here or somebody's going to die. And Andy goes, dude, if you're hot, just go back here in this, in this, like there was like a tunnel, like it was all cinder block behind this place in this basement. With even less oxygen, I'm going to add. He's like, go back there. It's cool. Like, it's not me. People are going to die. It's the crowd. He's just like, just go back there. Oh. He's very happy when he's saying it. Like, he doesn't get the level of, like, dude, stop that I'm, right, right, I'm right. giving him. He didn't realize, like, the danger, like, what you not. were seeing. He just knew what he was seeing. No. And he's just like, come on, man. We got like five songs left. Let's just do it. Let's just get out of here. This is uncomfortable for everyone. We don't have a click track. Let's just get it done. So then they just started playing. And I, like, this is, this is, I'm not an adult. Like, I don't feel like I'm the best person, but I was just like, oh, my God. Like, I, I, the whole 
five songs I just was swallowing every bit of pride I had where I was just like, just throw the mic down, never come back. So we we finished. We go upstairs. Everybody is happy except me because I'm just like, you fucking almost killed people. So first thing, Andy's just like, did you have a good show? He's all happy. Like, I think also a teeny inebriated could be a lot. <laughs> so he's just like, dude, when, did you have a good show? And to these guys, they're just like, that was so punk rock. That was so cool. It was like the old days. We didn't play with a click track. It was so fun. And they were locked on to each other. I couldn't hear shit. So I was just like, <laughs> awful show. Almost saw people dying. And then, and then the whole, like, please stop. Telling people, like the crowd hears me, they're like, yes, thank God I can go outside and get some oxygen. I'm not going to die. And the band's just like, what? Go in this cave. Just go back in this cave and cool off. So Andy's like, wasn't that fun? Did you have fun? And I was just like, I was so pissed, dude. I was so mad. I was so pissed though, dude, but I I seriously was like, dude, you can fuck right off. And he was like, whoa. And then all of a sudden, you know, like he and I are back, like, who's going to punch each other first? So I, I am like, I'm packing my shit up. Like these guys, we're in Philadelphia. It's four hours from my house. City of brotherly love. It's probably one in the morning. We just played two shows. I'm exhausted, but and I'm slightly inebriated from the fireball. And I just was like, bye. Pack my stuff. Didn't I actually didn't say goodbye to anyone. Oh. Drove home. Just to the Irish goodbye. I made it home at like 6 a.m. They were calling me the whole way. Hey, man, which hotel room do you want? And by the way, I'm home. Oh. It took a couple months to like sort that out. Like where I had to just be like, dude, I was being a dick. I, I realized you guys were having a good show and you couldn't hear what I was saying. But like, please turn me up in your in-ears because I thought people were going to die. Oh, my gosh. So that for me was like one of the worst shows. Hey, I have a question, and this, like, after what you just said, this seems, like, so minimal. Like, it it just seems so minute. But I did have a question. Did you ever find it funny, like, bands that came to Denver that would play and because of the altitude would... Like you couldn't breathe because yeah, I re- hilarious. I remember that hilarious. Like, whether we're playing Denver, Albuquerque, um, yeah, Albuquerque is also a mile high. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. you you'd go out there and you'd start the show the way you normally would, and I'd get two jumps into it and a verse and a chorus into it, and I'd be gassed. Yeah. So so. Early on, yes, it was hilarious. And then we started touring. So you'd go out for like two or three months, come back and play your hometown, and you'd be that guy. <laughs> and then you'd just be like, what happened? But like going to that first show from Colorado, like being there, being acclimated, and then going to that first show, you felt like a a freaking superhero. Like, like, you, like Iron Man, like an Iron Man competitor. Oh, man. Like... I, 
I can't describe how much energy you just felt like you had. There's just so much air. You could not, you're just like, I feel like I could just run a marathon. I could just jump all night. And we did, you know, like we, we always like we're jumping around and stuff and that's part of it. You know, like we, we trained at, at high altitudes, I guess. Yeah. Cause that, that's what yeah. we were. Obviously we were the opposite. Like we would play mm-hmm. these, what I think were like really great high energy shows throughout the Midwest. And then we would head out West We'd go through the Rockies. We'd play Denver. We'd play Salt Lake City. We'd play Reno. We're playing like all these, like, you know, Albuquerque, all these places where the elevation is real high. And after the first song, it was just standing there. Like, I went from jumping and doing what I normally do to just standing there holding the microphone on the mic stand, like I was in Counting Crows. And just singing and You're just gasping <sighs> for air. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it was yeah. it was awful. That reminds That's me when we go back and play now. Yeah. Like all the Denver guys are just like, yeah. And I'm like <sighs> <laughs> Exactly. Like you need oxygen. I I was working in uh Detroit and corn came to play. And uh-huh. because of my job I got in backstage to see corn and yeah. I was talking to the guys and, and uh fieldy, the, the bass player for corn, super nice guy was hanging out with him all night. Really good guy. And, uh, he, so when corn started to play, he like me and the guy that I was with my partner, he's like, Hey, you guys stand here. So I'm like, all right, cool. So we're standing like, side stage like by the the mixer board side stage for the for the monitors and <laughs> Jonathan Davis comes out and corn starts playing and he's doing his bagpipes and he's doing all that stuff dude we're in Detroit we're not at mile high and he, yeah. this dude was so gassed that he has an oxygen tank oh my gosh so in between songs he's coming over sucking down the oxygen he tosses me the microphone and i forget what i forget what song it was it was um it was one off their their original so i don't know if it was blind i don't know what it was he comes over so me and my partner are singing we're side stage and we're just singing he comes over he tosses me the mic he goes you sing and he's sucking on this oxygen tank so for 20 seconds, 10 seconds, 20 seconds, I get to sing. I can see, I can see, I can see I'm going blind. I can see. Like I'm singing this corn song. I'm the lead singer oh of corn side stage. Nobody could see me, but I'm singing it. And he's sucking down oxygen and then takes yeah. the mic. He's like, thanks so much, bro takes the mic back and then he goes back out there and continues. It was Joe, that's exactly how Henry Rollins got into Black Flag. <laughs> was it really? Yeah. So the I may oxygen be, and everything. I may be the next singer of corn. Yeah, I think I think you should be. I can see, I can see, I can see I'm going blind. Tell me that first album of theirs wasn't amazing. I agree. 
That's the only one I have, though, man. I feel embarrassed having this conversation. That's the only. I don't. I don't think I you need to be embarrassed. I, I mean, I think they had some great songs on some good albums, but yeah, but that like shoots and ladders, clown, blind. That first album was amazing. Yeah, and I, I'll, I'll never forget. I heard one of the songs, and it was in Pod's van, and I was like what band is this? And they're like, oh, this is a band called Corn." And I was like, oh, let, let me borrow the CD. Like, let me listen to it. And the guys from POD got all protective of us. And they're like, no, nah, we don't think you should listen to this. And I'm like, what do you they mean? They didn't want you to lose your salvation. Yeah. They're like, what do you? It's so nice of them. Yeah. I'm like, what do you, what do you guys talk about? Like, I'm, I'm, I'm 18 years old. I can, I can listen to whatever I want. And they're like, no, nah, we don't, we don't want to be the ones that turn you on to this. And I'm like, oh, you know, whatever. Screw you. Let me listen to it. So finally, they let me borrow that corn CD, mm-hmm. and I put it on my disc man and listen to that over and over and over. And what's funny is the song "The Hunted" that we did on our Fight yeah. of My Life album. The Hunted came because I wrote that over the weekend that I was listening to that corn album. That's awesome. So I I listened to that that corn album the entire weekend, and then I was like just into that corn mode, and I was like, "That's it, man!" And and then I wrote the hunted. So that came yeah. that came from a weekend of listening to corn. Very cool, uh, ladies and gentlemen. We have hit the hour mark for the paid, or I'm sorry, for the freebie portion. It's an hour and 13 minutes. Yeah. We went over. Well, I peed. I peed for like eight minutes. You're right. So take that out, Reese. Yeah. So we, we got, okay. yeah. Once we, once we get that out, uh, we'll be done. But we hit the hour ish mark. Yeah. Hour ish. We're a little over, not much, but a little bit over. So bit. you guys enjoy it. If you haven't thought about becoming a Patreon member, um, again, I, I wouldn't be able to afford it either. But if you guys got it, it's an extra hour of content each week, which basically equals an extra four hours of content, some some months even five hours of content a week. You also get to do Zoom meetings. We just finished a Zoom meeting with some of our Patreon members. We'll give you those codes to be able to meet with us. We hope to do more stuff with you in the future. So if it's something that, you know, maybe you can just do the lowest level of like the $5 membership or whatever like that. Uh, I encourage you to do it, but again, if you can't, you can't. I don't. I don't want to be taking money out of your mouth uh, to be able to do it. But we do have fun with Patreons and uh, or patrons. I don't know what they're called. And uh, it, you know, moving forward, we just want to do more with them. So if you guys want to be a part mm-hmm. of that, uh, by all means, uh, look into that on Patreon to be able to get that. You can also find us on Instagram at the Pickle and Boot Podcast. Uh, and on Instagram, I would say on Instagram to like us, the pickle and boot shop. But if you want to really follow it and have some great discussions, check out the pickle and boot shop diabolical discussion page. It's a fan fan page. Uh, and, and it's, it's hilarious and it talks about all sorts of stuff and you can get all sorts of information and be in on all the inside jokes and all that stuff through that. I think that's a lot of fun. Uh, re- and you can talk to Joe while he's on the toilet. W- while I'm on the toilet. There you go. It's real time. Usually. Where can they find us on Instagram or on uh, Twitter? At capital P, capital B, Oot Shop on Twitter. And if I ever do another 
tweet, you'll get it. <laughs> yeah. I haven't. I, I don't think I've done one for two months. Yeah. We're terrible at I'm this going stuff, to. guys. Guys, I'm we're terrible to. at this. This is what we see. This is what we need. I Me, mean, like Reese and I do the on-air stuff. We need people to help us with the off-air stuff. So we need people to help us with the Twitter. We need people to help us. And here's the problem. We don't make enough to be able to, like, pay you to do it. So it's got to be, like, a labor of love. Even with through the Patreon stuff, the Patreon costs basically cover the cost of doing this, producing this, um, that type of thing. So if you guys... Paying me who's unemployed. Yeah, exactly. So if you guys, uh, you know, if you're up for, like, the little grassroots stuff and you're somebody who can maybe take on something like that, by all means, uh, contact us to be able to do it. We would love to have you part of the team. But I think that's it. I think we're going to come to the end of the paid... Uh, man, I keep saying that. Yeah. We're going to come to the end of the, the free portion. And then, paid peeps, we're going to talk to you in a little bit. All right? See you. Peace. To find out more, visit rockcandyrecordings.com.